Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. I'm I'm excited about tonight because we're continuing a series. Somebody help me out if you know the, the, the title of the series, Mountain Climbers. Mountain Climbers are continuing that series. Um, to me, part two. Thank y'all for that couple hand claps. Who enjoyed the first one? Um, we're continuing Mountain Climbers, part two. Um, I'm really excited about it. And a quick refresher, if you weren't here last Wednesday, the idea behind this series is that we know in Matthew chapter 17 that Jesus told us that we can move mountains. He said, by faith, we can be mountain movers. But a lot of times, we need to be mountain climbers. Because uh, what happens is that we can get to these moments in our lives. We're waiting on God to move the mountain. We're waiting, we're waiting. At the same time, God is waiting for us to climb the mountain. Uh, I truly believe that it takes more faith to climb a mountain than it does to move a mountain. Because uh, it's an easy path to walk down when every problem in your way disappears. Who knows that's an easy path, right? It's an easy path if every barrier is moved out of its way. But, but what if that mountain doesn't move? What are you going to do? Are you going to wait? Are you going to pause? Or are you going to put on your hiking boots, start climbing a mountain? Uh, I believe that there's mountains in our lives that are not meant to be avoided but ascended. Uh, there's mountains in our lives that we're supposed to climb up, have our faith in God, and, and believe that he can see us to the top. And uh, so that's what this series is all about, mountain climbers. And, and uh, what we do is that um, for this series is every week we're taking a look at Bible characters. And, uh, and as they journey up a mountain, uh, last week part one uh, was called Get a Grip. Um, we took a look at Mount uh, Moriah. We um, went up the mountain with uh, Abraham and Isaac. And, and that part one was um, all about going up the mountain. But tonight, church family, it's all about what to do when you get to the top. And so the title for tonight's message, turn to your neighbor and say, Handling the Heights. Handling the Heights. Uh, let's pray over service real quick. Uh, Father, we, we thank you for what you're doing tonight. Uh, we thank you that you brought us into this place, not by accident, but on assignment, and that we're ready to hear a word from your spirit. We're ready to hear from you, God. We come with um, open, mar- open hearts and, and soft minds, God, that we're ready, Father, just to welcome in your spirit, that miracle signs and wonders are going to take place tonight, that we're not going to settle for anything less than your best, God, that we don't want to leave this place the same way as we walked in. We want to leave transformed. We want to leave, call them more filled with your spirit. Spirit, God, we believe that tonight can be a night of revival. Like that Samaritan woman, she came to get refreshed, and she got revival. In the name of Jesus, Father, we love you so much. And everybody says, amen, amen. Man, come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise as we get into tonight. Let's, let's set the atmosphere. Let's set the tone. Uh, so what we're looking at for tonight is that we're going, and we're going up the mountain of transfiguration. The Mount of Transfiguration. And uh, who we got in company with us is... Um, is Jesus and, and his disciples, and we're taking a look at Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 28 through 36, and uh, a lot of people kind of um, talk differently what they know the, the real actual name of this mountain. Some say it's Mount Tabor, others say it's Mount Hermon, but we're going to go with Mount of Transfiguration, how it says in Scripture. Uh, so we're picking up in Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 28, Luke chapter 9, verse 28, and a little context to the Scripture before we start mountain climbing. Uh, so Jesus, before the this, this, this scripture, he had just finished telling his disciples, um, the, he just finished telling his followers that he was going to die. Uh, he, just, he just told them that well, one day that the, the religious leaders are going to crucify him. But then he also said, don't worry, you know, but the Son of Man is going to be risen on the third day. 
Um, and then he, he tells his disciples um, that to follow him, if they, if they wanted to really follow after him, then they would have to pick up their cross and not just do it once, not do it twice, but, you know, any delusions in the house, they said a daily cross. You know, every day you would have to pick up your cross to follow me. And so these disciples are a little confused right now. Uh, because their leader has just told them that uh, he's going to die one day and that, and, and that he's, he's going to leave this earth. And he also told them that to follow after him uh, means to carry a cross. And, and that was a picture of uh, really a picture of, of, of rejection and, and struggle and perseverance. And so these disciples going up to this mountain climb is really questioning really what the advantage, advantages of are of following Jesus. You know, they're, they're questioning, like, okay, I'm following after Jesus, but he's not, he's not selling it really well to me right now. You know, he's telling me all these hard things that are going to happen, all these things that I have to go through. And that's when they begin to climb up this mountain. And so it says in verse 28, it says, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up a mountain to pray. He took Peter, uh, John, and James up a mountain to pray. As we know, Jesus had 12 disciples. We know that, right? But he only chose three to go up the mountain with them. When I look at that, I see this right off the bat that not everybody around you is called to go up the mountain with you. This is when I want to help some people out because a lot of us can, can get to a point where we're trying to take everybody with us, that we're trying to go up the mountain, but we're trying to please all these people. We're trying to appease to all their opinions. But Jesus didn't bring his 12. He only brought three up the mountain. I think we can't bring everybody up the mountain with us because I think we have people uh, around us uh, who, who suffer from altitude sickness. Uh, by that, I mean the higher you get, uh, the more sick to the stomach they become. You know those people? Like, like as soon as you do something good, they tell you about what you've done wrong in your life. Like the, like the better you become as a person, the more bitter they become about you. You know those people who, who suffer from altitude sickness? Come on, somebody. Don't look around. This, you know, just think about them in your mind. You know, those people, like, like you get a promotion, and, and then right after that, they tell you it's not going to last. Or they tell you, oh, but you could have gone this. Like those, pe- like, those are the kinds of people that aren't supposed to go up the mountain with you. Because there's some of us who are trying to build up a company of toxicity up a mountain with us, and we're wondering why we can't make it up. Because we got people with altitude sickness around us. People who, who, as soon as they see us go up higher, they get more bitter, they get more upset. And those are the people, if you know, if there's people around you like that, know, hey, just, just know right now, they're not meant to go up with you up the mountain. But it says that Jesus, he only, he only chose three because I believe that we, we need the people who are going to cheer us up the mountain, right? We need those people that when we fall and scrape our knees, they tell us to get back up on the horse, not to tell us, hey, I told you so. Those are the time the people that we need in our lives. We need, we need the people who, who are going to cheer us up the mountain, who's going to push us to our purpose, not pull us down from the mountain. So this right away when I saw that Jesus only took three disciples and spoke to me, I, I can't expect to bring everybody with me. You can expect to bring everybody with you. You need to find these people and, and surround yourself with people who will push you towards your pur- purpose up that mountain who's not going to pull you down, who, who's not going to talk bad about you, who's not going to, every time you make a, a mistake, you know, celebrate. You know, that's another red flag. If people around you celebrate every time you make a mistake, they're not, they're, they suffer from altitude sickness, okay? So we have to make sure we're so selective about the people we bring up the mountain because that can determine if you make it up or not. We, we, we can't do positive things if we're surrounded by negative people. 
we have to have the right people around us. As we continue, so it says, and as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. As he was praying, his appearance began to be transformed. Did you know that like as you begin to pray, things begin to change? You can't stay the same person when you you begin to pray. It says as he began to pray, it says in Scripture that his clothes began to have a, a dazzling white appearance. And, even, and it says in, in Matthew, it says that he began to, to shine like the sun as he was praying. That the, the God on the inside of him, as Jesus was praying on the top of that mountain, the God on the inside of him was, began to crack through that human flesh that he had. The, the, the identity of the God-man, as he was, pr- was praying, his true identity began to be revealed. And that's exactly what happens to us when we pray. When we get in our presence with God and we begin to pray, your true identity will begin to come out from outside of you. See, what happens is that your spirit man, when you begin to pray and you, when you begin to spend time in the presence of the Father, your true identity, the identity that God says you have, it will begin to be revealed from outside of you. And it says that a, a light began to shine. And that's exactly what happens when we pray. A light will begin to shine from, out, from the inside of us outside and we become, begin to become the light and the darkness like God has called us to be. But that only happens by prayer. You can't be a light if you do not associate the person who gives you that light, who is light. That's what happens in praying. It's a beautiful, this, uh, it's a beautiful picture of, of Jesus praying at, at, at this mountain. He's praying at the top of this mountain. And, and then all of a sudden, he begins to, his true character, his, his true identity. You've got to remember, this is the creator of heaven and earth we're talking about. This is the king of kings, the lord of lords. And right now, he just looks like an ordinary man in flesh. But as he began to pray, he, he began to look more like what we would think the creator of heaven and earth would look like. He began to get transfigured. And, and it says they didn't really understand what he was looking like. But he, he looked like he was shining like the sun. And as he was praying, as he was praying, his identity began to be revealed. And we see Jesus, the Son of Man, praying at the mountaintop. Praying at the mountaintop. See, prayer is such a powerful thing. But we can't stop just because we made it to the top. We're talking about what to do at the top of the mountain tonight. We can't stop praying just because we made it to the top. Point number one is that we have to continue to pray at the peak. What I mean by that is that when we are climbing up the mountain and we finally get to the top, that doesn't mean that our prayers stop. That doesn't mean that we, that we, we stop praying and, and we forget how we got there and we, and we forget the, 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 the motives and the, and the praying of, of why we went. Because God doesn't want us just to pray when things are bad, right? A lot of us, we, it, a lot of us have the most fervent prayer meetings with God when we're in the struggle, right? Like, that's when we're praying the most. But when things are good, we're looking up to God. Like, hey, God, I'm on the mountaintop now. Everything's good. You know, everything's great. Thank you so much. And then we forget to spend that time with them. And then we forget to have that prayer with them. And, and we forget. But here's the thing. God doesn't want us to have just a prayer life with them in the bad times. He wants us to pray with them at all times. Come on, somebody. At all times, we have to have a prayer life with them. Because this is what happens. This is what I want you all to understand. Is that if we, you know, the, the pattern that happens is that we tend to only pray in the bad times, and then we only tend to give God praise in the good times. 
Y'all get what I'm saying? When it's bad, we pray. And when it's good, we give praise. And then we begin to associate our mind with those things. And so we associate our minds and we, we associate struggle with prayer. And then we associate success with praise. And so we're thinking, hey, and any times we're going, any times it's bad, we pray. And then when, it's, when we're having success, we, we give God praise. And then what, what happens is that God doesn't, it says in Psalms 52, that he, his praise should forever be on our lips. Because it, it's so easy to pray when things are bad, right? That's when we pray the most. And on the flip side, it's so easy to give God praise when things are good. But God said, I want to be with you, not just on the, the mountain highs, but the valley floors. I want to, I want, I want to give God praise, not, even, not just the high, the, low, the high times, but the low times as well. It's, 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 it's easy to give God praise at the mountaintops. What about when you're in the valley floors? We don't understand what's going on. When things aren't making sense, are you still willing to give God praise in that moment? When it seems like the, the, the world is against you. And on the flip side, are you still um, able to maintain your prayer life when everything's going good? When, when the bank account looks good, are you still going to say, hey, God, are, are you going to forget about God when th- things get good? Or, or are you going to say, you know what, God, I know how I got to this mountain, and that was through prayer. That was through time with you. That was through getting built up. That was through what Jesus was doing. Jesus was, was 100% God and man, yet he still prayed. How much more should we pray? How much more should we spend time with him? How much more should we remind ourselves of our true identity that only happens when we associate ourselves with God through, through prayer and praise? And it's point number one. We've got to make sure when we get to the mountaintop, we don't stop praying. We can't forget how we got there. We can't get to that new promotion and then stop praying to God about giving us opportunities, right? We can't get that, that new, new job, that new car, that new whatever, and then stop praying and stop relying on God and start, and, and start replacing him with other things. Because if we do that, we're going to fall off that mountain real quick. But if we maintain our prayer life, if we maintain our devotion to him, even when times are good, and that's what's called consistency, right? Not this desperation's great, but you can have that consistency even when things are going good. If you have that, that's when you're able to, to maintain that, that mountaintop moment. It says in verse 30, it says, suddenly two men, and this is when things get crazy. Suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. And it says they were glorious to see. So in this moment, Jesus is praying at the top of this mountain. He begins to get transfigured. He, he, he begins to, to look physically like the way you think the King of Kings, Lords of Lords, will look like he's shining like the sun. And all of a sudden, these, these Bible heroes, uh, Moses and Elijah, show up. And uh, the first question I had, you know, well, why not Abraham, right? Why, why didn't Abraham show up? Why not invite the whole party? Why not Abraham and David and Samson? Like, I always want to talk to Jonah. You know, why not, this, why not everybody on top of the mountain have a big old, you know, Jewish holiday celebration? Why just Moses and Elijah? See, when you, when you look at the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, it can be separated into two different things, uh, the law and the prophets. Uh, the law... Uh, as you know, Moses, Moses is the one who received the, the Ten Commandments from God on the top of Mount Sinai, and, and Moses represented the law. And then if you look at Elijah, Elijah was the greatest prophet um, of all, and so he, he represented the prophets. And so really what you have is that you had the Old Covenant come down, Moses and Elijah, and then you had Jesus. And we all know who Jesus was, right? Jesus is the New Covenant, amen. Jesus is the one who fulfilled the old and became something even better for us. It says this. In Matthew chapter 5, 17, this is Jesus talking. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. 
I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Amen. He came to accomplish their purpose. So what we're seeing in this picture is that the new covenant is having a conversation with the old covenant. And that's kind of a picture of showing the fulfillment to come. So it's, a, it's an awesome thing to see Moses and Elijah come down talking with Jesus. And you want to know what they're talking about? But, you know, I had so many things. Like, what are they talking about? It says this, what they were talking about in Scripture as we continue. It says, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. So Moses and Elijah, the representatives of the old covenant, show up. They're talking to the new covenant, Jesus, and they begin to talk about how Jesus is going to be, be the final sacrifice. They begin to talk about the, the coming exodus of Jesus from this world that's going to take place in Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. And so Moses, who represents the law, is talking to Jesus, and Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And, and then Elijah, who represents the, the prophets, is talking to Jesus, who's the one who fulfilled all the prophecies, and they're having this conversation, and, and they're talking about things to come, and the, the, the event that was to come is Jesus being sacrificed. They're, they're talking about the final sacrifice before it happened. Who's thankful that Jesus didn't just talk, talk to talk? <laughs> Who's thankful that Jesus didn't talk about it, but that he walked to walk? You know, Jesus knew the price that was going to be paid for salvation, but he still paid it. He's at that mountaintop, and he knows exactly what's going to happen. And he knows that he could stay at that mountaintop if he really wanted to, but he doesn't. He goes back to, to you and I. Who's thankful that Jesus walks the walk? That he, that he, doesn't, he, he doesn't just talk about it. There's a lot of people who just talk about it. There's, there's, there's a lot of things of the world that they, just, they talk a good talk, but the walk isn't there to be found. But, but Jesus, he, he doesn't just profess it. He, he actually walks it out, and you can see it. And you can see how much he loves you, and you can see how he died on the cross for us, and you, and you can see how he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And so you see this, this picture, Jesus talking to Moses and, and Elijah, and, and this awesome, crazy, like, experience. The Mount of Transfiguration is probably the most, one of the most craziest things that, to, to happen in, in the New Testament. And it's so crazy, and you want to know what the disciples are doing, doing all of this? It says in verse 32, it said, Peter and the others had fallen asleep during this all. I don't know how, but they've fallen asleep. Part of the moment of their lives, and they fall asleep. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a rare occurrence for Jesus to go up to a mountain to pray. That wasn't rare at all. It was actually pretty common. If you read Scripture and you find Jesus praying, there's a good chance that he's either at the top of the mountain or somewhere near a mountain. So it was pretty routine for Jesus to take his disciples up the mountain. What I'm trying to say to you all tonight is don't fall asleep during your routine. Don't fall asleep in, in, in what you perceive as the mundane. Don't get so robotic with your relationship with God and saying, you know, I've been doing this thing for 20 years and then this and I do this for fun. Like, don't get so routinistic with God that you fall asleep at the wheel. Because you have the, the disciples of Jesus who've gone up a mountain to pray with Jesus countless of times. And it's been so routinistic, so robotic that it almost became religious. It almost came a point of, of something expected. And they fell asleep, and they missed a moment, almost missed a moment with God. Let us not reach a point in our devotion where it becomes so robotic. And let's not reach a point, reach a point where we just come to church on Sundays because it's routine. I, I never want to pray to God just because it's routine. I will make a routine of it, but it's not because it's a routine. It's a relationship. 
It's because I want to spend time with them. I, I don't want to just pray to God every morning and not just because I want to check it off my calendar and do that. No, it's not just a routine. I never want to be robotic. I want to make sure that I'm not missing out on something with Jesus. Let us not fall asleep in our routine. Let us not become so robotic Let us, that it becomes religious. Let us just make sure that every step of the way, if God challenges me in my walk, challenges me in my devotion, I, I'm not going to stick to my routine and to my traditions. You know, if God told, tells me and wakes me up in my sleep and I say, God, no, my prayer time with you is at 7, okay? You know, no. I, I don't want to be so routine that I miss a time with them. Let us make sure that every time we spend time with Jesus, it's not according to our schedule, it's his schedule. Let us not build God around our schedule. Let's build our schedule around God. Let's make sure that he's number one in our life. And when we do that, you will never find your routine uh, be robotic. You'll never find your relationship with God be, be routinistic that you miss the, uh, moments like this with them. And it says this. It says, when they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with them. And as Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Which I thought was so funny. You know those, those kids in school, uh, you do a group project, and you always have that one person part of the group who never shows up, never turns in anything, never, like, you know, was a part of it, but they show up when it's time to get the grade. And they show up, they're like, hey, didn't we do a good job? Like, that's Peter right now. Like, he just woke up from a nap, and he wakes up, and he's like, wow, look at what we did. And that's Peter. And then, and then he makes this statement. He, 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 looks, he, he looks at Jesus, and he said, let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What was supposed to just be a moment, uh, an awesome moment, Peter wanted it to turn it into a memorial. He said, okay, you all remember, we got to go back when I was saying that Jesus had just finished telling the disciples um, that he was going to be crucified. He just finished telling them that if they wanted to follow him, that they would have to carry their, their cross daily and that it wasn't going to be something. Uh, it, it was going to take perseverance. It, it was going to take people who might reject you. It wasn't going to be an easy, simple thing. It was going to be something to have discipline. And so he's telling his disciples this. But the, the Jewish people had this preconception about Jesus. They thought that when the Messiah came, that he would come and deliver this awesome conquest to Jerusalem. They thought that when the Messiah came, that he was going to lead him out on a, on a horse and a, and a huge army, and that, that they were going to defeat you know, Rome and free him from, from the rule, and then that, that, that the Messiah was going to come and establish this awesome uh, kingdom um, in, in, in Jerusalem, and they were just going to you know, be the leaders of the world. That's what they thought the Messiah was going to do when he came. But Jesus comes and tells them, uh, uh, no, uh, I, if you want to follow me, carry your cross. See, they were confused because Jesus didn't come to free them from Caesar. He came to free them from their sin. Jesus didn't come to establish a kingdom of man. He came to establish the kingdom of heaven. And so they had this weird predisposition of Jesus, and, and it was confusing their faith when he was telling them all these things. And so when Peter sees this moment, this awesome moment, when Peter sees Jesus manifesting into the image of really, of like, of like the sun, and he's seeing and he, and he Moses, and he's seeing Elijah, and he says to himself, okay, this is more like it. 
You know, when I, this is what I thought when the Messiah would come. This is the kind of moments I thought would happen. I, I would thought, you know, all these awesome things would happen. I would think all of this. And he said, this is more like it. You know, I, I don't want to think about the crucifixion. You know, forget about carrying the cross. Forget about all those things. Let's stay on top of this mountain, Jesus. Let's build a memorial for you and for Moses and for Elijah. And let's just stay on this mountaintop. And let's just live happily ever after. And let's just stay on this mountain. Because this is an awesome. This is an awesome moment. But if Jesus would have stayed on top of that mountain, he would have never made it to the cross. If Jesus, which he could absolutely just, just stayed on top of that mountain, stayed with that awesome moment, stayed on top of it, but he would have never defeated the grave. He would have never defeated death, and you and I wouldn't be here. But it's so tempting to stay on top of the mountain, isn't it? Man, it's so tempting when you have this awesome moment to start building memorials. It's so tempting that when something great happens, that you make that great thing your God. And you start thinking, oh, look at all this money, or look at all this success, look at all these friends I have, and you start building memorials, start building memorials, and start building memorials. Point number two for tonight is don't let the peak become your prison. Don't let the peak become your prison. Don't let that top that God brought you to, don't let it become your trap. Because the enemy will try to convince us to stay on top of the mountain. Stay on top. Look at all the good things that are happening. Stay right there. You don't have to move on. Even if God's going somewhere else, stay there. Say, look at all the awesome things. Look at all what's going on. And before we know it, we get stuck on top of the mountain. And we begin to build memorials. And we, and we build a memorial to money. We build a, a memorial to, to influence. And, and we, we try to convince ourselves that if we stay here forever, everything would be perfect. And we find ourselves trapped in our own success, trapped and at the mountaintop. And what was meant to be a blessing turns into a burden on our lives because the, the, the blessings from God, we begin to, to worship the, the miracles that God gives us instead of the miracle worker. And we begin to look at all the awesome things that's going on. And we make those memorials instead of God. And before we know it, we find ourselves that on top of a mountain that God's already moved on from. And we find ourselves uh, stuck in the place, and, and at one time it was so awesome, but we felt the grace of God move on. And we didn't, we didn't choose to follow it because we wanted to stay where we are at. See, Jesus had that moment with Moses and Elijah, and it was so awesome, and, but, but he had more he had to do. Jesus still had Calvary to conquer. He had so much more less to, left to do with his life. He chose to move on from that mountaintop. It says in verse 34, as we begin to... To close this out, it says, be, but even as he was saying this, it's Peter, after Peter said that, it says, even as he was saying this, he didn't even get to finish his sentence. A cloud overshadowed them, and a terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. And he didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. And I'm closing. Y'all can stand tonight. So the glory of God encamped itself on that mountain. And a loud voice said from that cloud, Peter wanted to build memorials to, to, to Elijah and to Moses. And a loud voice said, hey, don't build any memorials to Elijah. Don't, don't build memorials to Moses. He said, Jesus, the, my son, he's the chosen one. He said, listen to him. He said, Moses, he said, Moses is great. 
but Moses is not the Messiah. You know, money is great, but money is not the Messiah. Success is awesome, but success is not your Messiah. It's not your deliverer. He, he was looking, he's looking and saying, all these things I was around Jesus is great, but don't let that lose your focus on what matters. Listen to him. And right when he finished that, he said, Moses and Elijah, they went back to wherever they were, no heaven, wherever they were. But that, this, the glory of God overcome him in a loud voice that Jesus is the chosen one. He is the chosen son. Listen to him. And, and we follow in scripture, it, 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 Jesus, you know, he, he's, he had that moment. Awesome moment of transfiguration. It was so awesome. And you've talked to the glory and all the all that was there. And, and he really had every right to stay there. You know, Jesus knew what was coming. He could have stayed on top of that mountain forever and 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 been and and and, and just that, that that awesome aura and, and God's presence there. And he could have stayed there forever, but it says that he went down, back down the mountain. And when he came went down the mountain, he found a boy, a boy who was possessed, uh, uh, demon possessed, and 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 he he could have easily stayed on top of the mountain, but he came down for a demon-possessed boy. He says he healed him of, of his possession, freed him from his sins. And I can't help to think about the picture of Jesus. That he could have easily stayed up in heaven his own entire existence. And he could easily look down at us, you know, stuck in our sins, stuck in our muck. And, and knowing that there was, there, there was really, you know, we're, we're just people, one person. He could stay in that, but he came down to us to deliver us from what we couldn't deliver ourselves from. But he came down that mountain because there was more to do. He came down that mountain because his, his story didn't end there. He came down that mountain because God had more to do. This is what I want to close with tonight about mountaintop moments. is that the mountaintop is not where our story ends. It's where a new chapter begins. Mountaintop is not where our story ends. It's where a new chapter begins begins. Let us not get lost on top of the mountain. Let us not think that when we get top to the mountain that God is done with us. Let us not think that after we've had one success in life that God is through with us, that, that we've reached our potential, that God has, has finished his plan, that we've reached our purpose. Not let, not let us get to the top of the mountain and that mountain become our trap. Because that's not where your story ends. That's just where the next chapter begins. So you're in this place, and you're saying, Caleb, I've been a Christian for 20 years. Yeah, that's great. God still has more for you. God still has so much more for you. Mind this place. So, Caleb, we've been married for 10 years. That's awesome. God still has so much more for your marriage. Don't think you've reached the top. God has so much more for us. He has so many more mountains he wants to take us. He has so many more, more plans that will go beyond your expectations. I'm telling you, if you think that mountaintop that you are at right now, if you think that's the best, you have nothing, you don't know what's coming. God has so much more in store for you. But we've got to choose to trust him. We can't make that mountaintop our God. We can't begin to make memorials to our success and, and, and get comfortable and, and, and think that we can just stay there. But God has so much more for us. we got to follow him no matter what. And Jesus, he could have stayed at the top of Mount Transfiguration, but he knew there was more he had yet to do. He knew that God had some more to do for him. I just want to, I want us to pray tonight. I just want to think about Jesus tonight. And I just want us to think about, God, what more do you have for me to do? God, let me not get stuck on top of the mountain. 
God, let me not get so routine with you, Father, that I forget all the, the things that you can do for, through me, God. Let me, let me not get so relaxed on top of the mountain because everything's good, God. Let, let me see where you're taking me, Father, tonight. Let me see that new venture you want to take me on, God. Let me see that new mountain you want me to climb up, Father. Whatever it is, God, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm not just going to be satisfied for one accomplishment. I'm not going to be satisfied just because you did one thing in my life, Father. I, I want to take a next step and another step and another step with you, Father. Let me not get stuck on top of the mountain. Let me know what I need to do next. Father, if I, if I, if I need to step out by faith, let me know, God. Let me, let me follow you. Let me not get stuck, stuck on a mountain. Let me not build memorials to influence or memorials to money. God, I, I just want to worship you, Jesus. I don't want to let your miracles distract me from the miracle worker, God. I, I, I want to follow you no matter what, God. So I just want us in place. We're about to sing a song for a little bit, but, but think about what God has for you next. Think about that next mountain that you've been looking at and that you've been thinking about, if that's starting that business, if that's taking that venture, if that whatever it is, whatever God has been showing you and you're thinking about, think about what God has for you. Think about the more he has for you. Think about the rest that he has in store for you and say, Father, give me, give me, I'll give me the boldness to step out, to not settle for, for yesterday, God. You're the God of tomorrow. You're not, just, you're not just been good yesterday, God. You have something for me tomorrow. Help me step out into it. So right now, just with every head bowed, just every eye closed, just draw a sucker all around yourself and let's sing a song. Let's begin to think about where God's taking you. Begin to think about the next step he wants you to take. And let his spirit begin to lift you up. Come on, let's sing.
God, stir up our faith in this place, God. Let us not be satisfied with yesterday. Inspire us for tomorrow. Let us not settle for past success or past miracles. Father, we want to pursue you. We don't pursue miracles, God. We pursue you, Jesus. Father, inspire us, God. Take us, Father. Lead us, God. Wherever you want us to go, we will follow. Wherever you want us to go, we will follow. Come on, this morning, say, I'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. I'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. Whatever mountain, whatever valley, wherever place, God, I'll follow you. I won't follow just money. They won't follow just friends. God, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to follow you. Father, right now, stir up faith in our hearts. Right now, Father, stir up faith in our spirit, God. Now, we're not going to let fear, God, distract us. We're not going to let doubts, God, confuse us. But, Father, we're going to focus on you in this moment. So right now, Father, we, we, we speak, God. We speak together by faith that we're not letting anything hold us back no longer. We're not letting any distractions hold us back no longer, Father. But we're not, we're, we're hungry for you, God. We're not hungry for the world. We're not hungry for success, God. We're hungry for you, God. We want to follow after you, Jesus. We want to follow after your spirit, God. We don't want to settle, God, for yesterday, God. We, we want to follow after you, Jesus. So in this moment, build up our faith, God. Build up our boldness right now. The Holy Spirit, God, do what you do, Father. Transform us from the inside out. Renew our minds, Father, in this moment. God, right now, I pray that we have the mind of Christ, that we're not confused, that not, we're not scared, we're not worried. But, Father, we know who's in control. We know who gives us our, our guide, God. We know, God, where you lead us, Father, that we, if we just follow after you, you will always take us to the next, God. Let us not get got so caught up with the now that we forget about the next, God. Let us follow you everywhere, Jesus. So right now in this moment, Father, we pray together, God. Build up our faith, God. Let us follow after you, God. Give us a renewal of our mind, Father, that we're going to follow after your spirit, Jesus. Let us follow after you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you have a plan for us, that you have more for us. You have so much more for us, God. God, let us not be convinced by the enemy to think that we're finished. Man, let us not be convinced by the enemy to think that the best is behind us. But, God, the best is in front of us, Father. The best is yet to come, God. The best is yet to come. You have so much more for us, God. You have so much more in store for us, God. Peace, God, an abundance, God. Joy, God, immeasurable, Father. God, this, this favor on our lives, God, that's in our future, that if we just follow after you, Jesus. So give us that strength right now in this moment, Father. As we pray together, God, give us that strength to follow after you, Jesus. We love you so much, God. We just want to follow after you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on. If you love Jesus in this place, then I want you to just give him a shout of praise. Man, if you want to follow him anywhere, I want you to just give him a shout of praise. He deserves all the praise. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.